my message today is because of something that she said that struck me, and uh, so I, I want to say thank you, and you, you blessed us and our, our kids. We're forever grateful for you. And uh, so if you would, let's stand across the building as we turn to Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 22. We're just going to read one scripture, so you're not going to be up long. It's kind of like just getting a little exercise up and down. But uh, today, uh, I, I just want to read this one verse. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of a sinner of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now I want to just read that first part of this again. It says, "A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children." So if you would, just for a moment, I, I want to share with you what the Lord's laid on my heart on leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. If you would, stretch your hands toward heaven and pray with me and for me this morning. Dear God, our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you today and we praise you. God, we thank you for everything that you mean to us, Lord. We thank you for the word that's about to come forth this morning, Lord. God, we thank you for this service this morning. We ask you that you would just open our ears, open our hearts, Lord. Let us receive everything that you would want from us this morning, Lord. God, I pray that you would take me, that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord. God, that you would just ordain it from heaven, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that we would leave here today different than what we came in, Lord. God, challenge us to be better men and women of God than what we were when we came today, Lord. God, we welcome your presence in this place, Lord. God, we say, Lord, that you can break every yoke of bondage in here, Lord. God, that you can mend every broken heart this morning, Lord. God, you show up and you show out only like you can because you are God this morning, Lord. And God, we love you and we praise you and we never want to fail to give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but if, if we could have moved the service back about another hour and a half, that would have blessed me for everything because I could have used some sleep too. Um, but uh, we had some we had a great time this weekend. And, and uh, listen, you would be so proud of your, your kids, your, your teenagers. Um, we, we had some times. Listen, we had fun. And then we turned around and we got serious about the Lord too. And, uh, and, and that would bless you right there. So... Uh, let's just, we'll just move on. But whenever I was thinking about this, uh, this message, and I started thinking about leaving behind a legacy and how important that is because I, I believe that God is challenging not every man, but I believe every parent that's under the sound of my voice. And, and I truly believe, what are we leaving behind for our next generation? What are we leaving behind not only for our kids, but what about our nieces, our nephews? What about the other ones? And I believe that that's what the Lord started dealing with me about is what are we leaving behind? What kind of legacy are we leaving? You see, our text deals with uh, leaving behind an inheritance to our children. You see, that's all good, and I know that that's awesome, but so many times we get so fixed up on leaving a material inheritance. We get caught up on how much, how big of a car or how much money we can leave them or the house and all this stuff. We get so caught up. But my thing is, is what do we do to our children if we leave them all kinds of wealth but we don't leave them anything spiritually of an inheritance. What are we doing if we don't leave anything that, that, that we can pass down to them that the Spirit of God, that the presence of God has done in our lives? Now, I believe that we've ruined 
our children because, listen, I believe that they need to see us getting into the presence of God more now than ever. I believe that it's important that my three little girls see me press into the presence of God like never before. I believe it's important that your children see you pray like they've never seen you pray before. I believe that it's important that we let them, that we welcome the presence of God to come down not only in our churches but in our houses like never before. I believe that we need to get a hold of God because it's important because it's our children's children that is going to, we're leaving a legacy for this morning. You see, it's not about the wealth that we can build up, but it's about what are we leaving behind spiritually this morning. So that's the thing I want to challenge you this morning. And my question to you is, what legacy are you leaving behind this morning? What will they have to look back on whenever they're going throughout life and somebody says, that's something that I inherited from my daddy or my mama? Now, I don't know about you, but if at my house, if one of my girls do something goofy, this is what they go, that's, you, you learned that from your daddy. Anybody else like that? Listen, if it's good, it's never, oh, you learned that from your dad. That's, that's you so good. It's always something like uh, if I do something crazy, Scott, or if one of the girls do something, they say, Darla, go, just like your father. And I stand back in the background, I'm going. <laughs> but that's, that's so much it because I, I remember there's, there's no better blessing than when I'm around somebody and they say, oh my gosh, your Estel scalp made over. And, and I know that it's usually something goofy when they say that, but I, it makes me proud. But what will they remember about you and I? What kind of legacy are we going to leave behind this morning? You see, one man said this about his granddaughter. Our granddaughter uh, was in the second grade, and she was asked to write about her favorite personal hero, and she chose her father, and he was super excited because he chose her. And Grandpa asked her, why didn't you pick me? She said, because I couldn't spell Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I could imagine... What kind of stories could she have told about her papa if she could only have spelled his name? And you see, did you know that right now that being a father, that the rate of, of being a father today is failing greater than any other occupation on the planet? Did you hear me? Being a father is failing at, any, at a greater rate than any other occupation in the world today. Can I tell you, we need some fathers to start manning up. We need some men to start being men. We need some full-time fathers. We don't need no part-time fathers. We need some full-time fathers, amen? Because let me tell you why we need some full-time fathers this morning. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. You don't think your job's important? Let me tell you. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rape motivated with uh, displayed anger comes from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth that are sitting in prison grew up without a father. 
Now, I'm telling you, these statistics say that a fatherless home, but I'm going to tell you, we've got a lot of fathers across corporate America in our churches today that are at home, but they're not at home. Amen? Listen, they come home and they think they, they because they went to work that they kick their feet up and everything just passes them on by. But I'm going to tell you something. God is calling the man to be back, to be the spiritual head of his house. Amen? We need to be the men of God that God's called us to be. Now, I, I may not get a lot of amens, but I, I appreciate the ones I get. Because today, I did not come to bash or beat down any type of men or anything like that. Today, I come to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Today, I, I come to encourage our fathers to keep fighting for our families. I, keep, I come today because I, I, I want some people, I want some men and, and some moms, I want you to stand on the truth of God's word. And I want you to stand when all hell's breaking loose in your life. That You know what, you may waver one way or another, but I'm going to tell you something. You're going to stand for the word of God. You're going to believe that God's going to do what he said he was going to do because he's still God. Amen. Somebody give him a hand clap right now. Hey, man, I'm looking, I'm believing that there's going to be some men that's going to continue to be men of integrity, that's going to be men of valor, that's going to be garbage men, that's going to be the spider killer, that's going to be the mechanic, that's going to be the painter unless you're married to Darla, that's going to be the spiritual leader of your home, that's going to be the comforter of those that are hurting, that's going to be the man of God that your wife is needing you to be. I'm talking about some godly men this morning. Hey, man, I'm not talking about a weekend warrior. Listen, your kids don't have to live with you all the time for you to be the man of God that God's called you to be. But I'm telling you, God wants us to be the men of God that he's called us to be. I'm talking about leaving a legacy this morning. A legacy is defined as something that's passed down from generations that will follow us. I'm going to tell you something. What you're doing today is going to follow you for a lifetime to come because there's little eyes that's watching you, and they want to be just like you. Your legacy will follow you. What kind of legacy are we leaving behind? How can you leave a godly legacy to your children and to their children? You see, I come across three little points that I want to explain to you this morning real quickly, and then I'm going to get out of your way, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe if we'll apply them to our life that it'll help somebody. The first one is to live a life of godly character and conduct. You see, in Proverbs 22, verse number 1 says, A good name, which is character, is rather to be chosen than great riches. You see, we live in a day and a time of moral decline. Well, listen, there's no character in the world today. All you have to do is turn on the TV. Listen, I, I don't know. I, this weekend I, I heard that there's people, they, they, want to call, uh, they don't want to be called she, he, or they want to be called Z, Zim, Zop, whatever. I don't know. Listen, all I know is if you're a boy, I'll call you a bro, and if you're a girl, you're a girl. Listen, that's, that's all I know. I, I don't know the proper uh, all this jazz that they want to be called anymore. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I, we live in a day where, where morals are just, uh, they're, they're declining at a fast rate. We, we, we say that you can do this, you can do this, and we're, we're going for anything. You see, we're believing that you can cheat on different things. You can do all kinds of things. You can cheat on your spouse. You can drink it up. You can smoke it up. You can still get in a pulpit and have sin in your life. But I'm going to tell you, it's like that. there's hardly nobody even cares anymore because so many people says, you know what, I want to live it up just a little bit. I want to let it all hang out. I want to do my own thing. Let me tell you something, honey. This isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way, but it's God's way this morning. 
Amen. There's too many people wanting to live so close to the world and still be so close to God. You can't straddle the fence and still expect to make it in because God still has a standard. God has a standard of holiness. You got to live right. You got to talk right. You got to walk right. You got to live right. Amen. You still got to do because we're leaving a legacy for our children. My question to you is what kind of legacy are you leaving? Sad to say that we live in such a moral decline that, that, this, that this kind of uh, lack of character and all types of behavior has started to creep inside of our churches today. You see, you can't tell the difference from the outside of the church to the inside of the church. You see, I believe that so many times that, 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 that we're, there's, there's just no difference anymore on what's going on. You see, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5, it says, And besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. You see, Peter's talking about some self-control right here. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you will walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You see, men, your character, your conduct will impact generations to come. As a study was done by A.E. Winship, in the 1900s of two men who lived and died in the 18th century. This is how the study went. The first one was Max Juke. He was an atheist and he married an atheist girl. The study showed that, that the union come and, and they had 1,026 descendants and 300 of them died prematurely. Now I'm going to just tell you something. I know that good godly people die prematurely, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I've seen to be, believe that, you know what, godly people don't die until God wants them. And listen, God will do what he's going to do through them before their, their days are going to be over. Because I truly believe that, listen, 300 of them died prematurely. 100 of them were sent to the penitentiary. 190, 190 of them were, were, uh, sold themselves to vices. 100 of them were drunkards. The family cost the state of New York $1.1 million back in the 18th century. Now, that was a lot of money. But the second man was a great uh, preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards. And probably some of you probably heard of Jonathan Edwards. He believed in God. He married a godly woman. From that union, 729 descendants were studied. 300 of them become preachers. 65 of them were college professors. 13 were university presidents. Six were authors. Three of them were U.S. congressmen and one become the President of the United States of America. You see, one man left a tragedy, and the other man left a legacy. Which one will you leave when you die this morning? John, will you, will you be Max Juke, or will you be Jonathan Edwards? What legacy are you working on, and what legacy will you leave behind this morning? You see, your character and your conduct speaks volumes for your kids. Chances are they seek to be just like you this morning. You see, there was a poem that I come across, and, and it went to say, it said, To his goodnight kiss, he stood aside my chair one night, and he raised his eager face to me with his face with love all right. As I gathered, as I gathered in my arms the son God gave me, I thanked the Lord, I thanked the lad for being a good boy, and I thanked him that he would always be. His little arms crept around, crept around my neck 
And four simple words I won't forget. Four words that made me pray. They turned the mirror on my soul on secret no one knew. They startled me. I hear them yet. He said, I'll be just like you. Now, I don't know about you, but what kind of legacy are we leaving behind this morning? The second one thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is stand for what you believe. Amen. Listen, I, I truly believe that we live in a day of moral incline that, listen, we don't have a clue what we believe. We come into church and, and people will ask you, hey, do you, do you guys go to the snake here? No, we don't, we don't handle snakes. We make doors for people. We go out this way. Or, or do you believe in speaking in tongues? Do you do this? Do you do that? And we say, I, I don't know. And then they start debating things like that. And we say, I, I don't know what I believe in. I'll have to call my pastor because he'll be able to explain to you everything that you need to know. Hey man, I believe that it's time that, that we know what we believe and why we believe it. I believe that, listen, if we don't teach our, this generation what they believe, whenever they go to a, a university, I promise you, they will tell them what they believe. They'll, they'll absolutely speak into their lives. So it's absolutely profound that we teach why we believe and what we believe. You see, six times Paul tells us to stand fast. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, he said, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. You like men, be strong. You see, Paul is saying right here, we need some men to act like men. Amen? We need some men to act like men. We need some men to grow up just a little bit. Listen, I, I, I'm not knocking anybody, but you know what? We need some men to lay aside a controller for just a little bit. We need some men to, to put their work boots on just for a little bit. We need some men to get on their knees for just a moment. We need some men to be the men of God that God's called them to be. Amen? He said to stand fast was a term that was used to describe the proper response when a soldier was under attack. It means to dig in to refuse to give ground. I, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of the church giving ground. I'm sick and tired of families falling away. I'm sick and tired of men falling away. I'm sick and tired of the adversary running roughshod over people in our church. It's time that we stand up. It's time that we dig our heels in. It's time that we say, you know what, devil, you're not taking no more ground. I'm going to dig in because you know what? You've took enough of my family. You've done enough right here because I'm believing that God is going to do what he said he was going to do because I'm sick and tired of you running roughshod. We're going to stand fast and we're going to hold on to the promises that you've spoken over us. Amen. I'm talking about leaving a legacy. I'm talking about some godly men and women in this place. I'm talking about somebody that says, you know what? I'm going to stand when everybody else is running. You see, the dictionary defines convictions as a fixed or a strong belief. Your convictions include your values, your commitments, and your motives. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The thing that you spend the majority of your time doing, the things that you spend your money on, the things that you spend all your time on, listen, that is your God this morning. And I'm going to tell you, if you've got a pencil and a piece of paper, I challenge you to write this down because this right here is good. Howard Hendrickson said this. He said, a belief is something that you will argue about, but a conviction is something that you'll die for. He said, uh, we're willing to argue about our beliefs, but our convictions, we won't waver in them. We'll die for them. My question to you this morning is, what are you willing to die for? Things that you believe in so strongly that nothing can sway you one way or another. Things that you must pass on to this next generation. What are they this morning? 
Amen. I could say so many different, but I'm not going to right here. But what are we, what are we hanging on to this morning? Things that are so important. These questions are so important because convictions define our, our conduct. You see, our conviction is what motivates us to take a stand no matter what the world says. You see, you'll never stand if you're too busy, if you're, you know, we got too many limp wrist, yellow belly cowards that are in the church today that won't stand for what God's word is. We got too many people that's just coming in and we play church. We got too many people that's coming in that that were too weak kneed and, and like I said, yellow belly, sissy five, tweety birds, whatever you want to call them. But we got too many of them in the church today. Amen. As one man used to say, we got some men that need to swallow some sandpaper and start acting like men. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Which Paul says that we need to quit, we need to quit acting and we need to start being men. It's time for us to man up. Just a little bit. Now, I don't know about you, but I played some sports whenever I was younger, and we used to say, hey, it's time to man up right now. It's time to be, it's time to, to, to pull your big boy pants up, and it's time to man up just a little bit. And I would dare to say that that's what God is saying to the church right now. It's time that we put our big boy pants on, and it's time that the men start to man up just a little bit. Hey, man, the problem is that most people today, that they're too busy sticking their finger up in the, in the air and, and finding out which way the wind's blowing. And you know what? That's the way that they're going to go. And you know what? I believe that God's saying, you know what? I'm looking for some men and I'm looking for some women that's willing to stand strong on the Word of God. It's time that we get back to the Word. Listen, the world may be going one way, but I'm going to tell you something. God's calling the church to holiness. God has got a standard. God has got a plan. God has got a way. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God's not surprised by what's going on, not one single bit. So I'm going to tell you something. It's time that we stand because God's going to take us through. God's going to do what he said he was going to do. You see, there's, they're more concerned about uh, the crowd than they are Christ. They're more concerned about peer pressure than they are about their relationship with Jesus. They're more concerned about their friends than what they are about what God thinks about them. You see, what we need is some Holy Ghost filled men that will stand, even if the world, even if it means we lose the world's applause and we have to stand by ourselves. I'm talking about leaving a legacy. You see, if you leave a legacy that the world says, then you know what? What have you left? But I'm talking about leaving a spiritual legacy this morning. Are you willing to stand for what you believe even when it's unpopular? You see, I started thinking about Darla's dad whenever I was studying about this a little bit. And, and my father-in-law, he, he has some very strong convictions that he's passed down to, to Darla. And some of them, uh, you know what, he, he's, he's very strong in the Bible. He, uh, Darla's dad, he believed that serving God would come before anything else. It, you had to be first faithful to the house of God before anything else. Hey Amen, I don't know about you, but we need to get back to some godly uh, character. We need to get back to some of those principles. And you know what, he stood on those convictions without wavering. You see, at, at their house, uh, it didn't matter what was going on, but they always put God first and they always went to the house of God. He taught her these convictions about Christ and come before anything else. You see, I, I don't know, but Darla, she would say... And, she would stand outside of her father's door and she would listen to Dave pray. And not only would he pray, but he would pray in the spirit until the Holy Ghost fell. And listen, she sat outside and she said, I learned how to pray because I would listen to my father pray. I'm going to tell you something. It's important that we steal away. It's important that we take our time and we, we pray like we've never prayed before because you've got little ears that could be listening to you pray, Dad. What are they hearing? I'm talking about leaving a legacy this morning. We need to pray. You see, he taught her that the house of God come first. 
You see, the only time that you can miss church there is if you were sick, if you was dying, or, you know, uh, or if you had to work. Those were the conditions. She didn't die, so she went to church and stuff like that. Now, I'm not going to say like I did the first service, but you know what? Some, sometimes we had some, uh, we had some things that, that even in our house right now that has been passed down from them that whenever some, one of our kids gets sick, listen, we don't all stay home. You see, one of us stayed home and the rest of us went to church. And that's the way that it was with Dave and Lois. And you know what? Because of stuff like that, I believe that that's some of the most, that single most profound influence on Darla's life was from her mom and dad that said, you know what? It was intense, unwavering convictions that they had that said, you know what? He come first before anything else. And you know what? Not only did they, did they live that in front of her, but you know what? That's the example that they were. They, they didn't just tell her to do it, but they lived it in front of her. You see, the third and final thing that I want to talk about this morning is the condition for a godly legacy is to demonstrate godly love and care. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Ephesians 6 and 4 says, He commanded, And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in nurture and administration of the Lord. We need some parents that love. Now, Rick, don't, don't throw a stone at me here, but in Colossians 3 and 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, I don't know about you women, but that's a good chance for you to say amen. Because, I, I, listen, right beside that, I put ouch in my notes. And I thought, man, I'm not writing that down. But I thought for sure. So I'm going to read that one more time, and you ladies do what you're supposed to do right here. It says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Thank you. You can give me an offering later. But people tend to believe that the God whom they, they are, who is our heavenly father is going to treat them like our own dads did. So many people are caught up like that. So if you had a if you had a strong loving dad, you're probably your your you probably have a healthy relationship of God the Father. But you know what? If he was a jerk, if he was over controlling, over demanding, if he failed to protect you like he should have, if you were, uh, were was verbally abusive, worse if he was physically or sexually abusive, then you know what? This is what a lot of people naturally project or have a distorted view of our Heavenly Father to be like their Father. That's not even nowhere remotely close. Our God is love. And men, this is why it's so important to demonstrate love and nurture to your children. If you want to leave a legacy for your children that they will cherish, love them with encouraging words by being patient with them, even when Tana's driving, darling. That's a tough one. That's for you. Love, love by spending time with them. 
You want to build a godly legacy? Love them by listening to them. Love them by playing with them, by laughing, by goofing off with them just a little bit. You see, if you were to ever ask me this question, I, I want to ask you this question this morning, and I want you to think about it. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when I mention your dad? Now, maybe your dad's here. Maybe your dad's like mine. He, he's been gone for a while. But you see, whenever I, 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 I run across this statement, whenever, somebody, whenever I read this, the first thing that come across my mind wouldn't be my dad's military rank or all the stories that he told me when he was in Vietnam or all them interesting things like that. It wouldn't be how my dad never met a stranger. He could talk to anybody. He talked to a wall. Sometimes that's what my girls say that I do. They say, he's never met a stranger. He, I, it wouldn't be how hard of a worker he was or how a loving husband or a father, a loving father or how he become a Christian in, at about the age of 60. That's not the first thing that comes to my mind about Esther Scout. The first thing that comes to my mind about my father is he was always there. He was my best friend. He was my coach growing up. He never missed a ball game. And just, I loved hanging out with my dad. And my dad liked hanging out with me, I believe. By telling little cheesy jokes. And if you know me, that's one of my favorite things is by telling little cheesy jokes like, uh, what's in the middle of Texas, Brad? The X is. It, it, was, it was those fun little times that I can remember, remember about my father. And you see, most teens, Lincoln, they, they wouldn't be caught dead with their dad. But you know what? I loved hanging out with my dad. I loved it. I idolized my parents. Even though we didn't have much, I never knew that. I thank God for the legacy that Estelle and May Scalf has left for me and my two sisters. And I think it was absolutely, I, I think it's fantastic. And that legacy, I want to pass down to my three boys. Because not only is that legacy going to be passed to my children, but my children's children. In closing, this morning, Nicholas, you can come to the music. I want to read a story that I found about a gentleman and his papa. He said, my papa passed away this morning as I reflect on his life and the feelings this morning. I'm struck by one word, and that's legacy, Cheryl. My papa died surrounded by his family, his wife tearfully holding his hand and kissing him, his children taking shifts, uh, nights by his side, his grandchildren traveling and rearranging plans to say goodbye. People who couldn't come calling and letting him hear their voice one more time. In the coming days, there will be a funeral. At this celebration, there will be a long line of people who will stand up and say their lives were changed because of the encounter with my grandpa. We are talking about hundreds of people that was impacted by this man's life. As I stood at the end of his hospital bed and I took it all in, I had one question, and that was how. How could an 84-year-old man with no fame or fortune build a legacy like this? How did my papa have a life end so well? As I reflected on this question for the last week, here's my answer. He was faithful to the little things. 
He was a man who did the right thing, period. It didn't matter if anyone saw it. It didn't matter if anyone stood with him. He just did the right thing. He treated his wife with absolute devotion, love, respect. He loved his children, and he continued to do so even through the dark times. He was a spiritual leader of his family, installing faith in three generations. He called his grandkids on birthdays and on big events. When one of his grandchildren would come and visit, he dropped everything to spend time with them. He worked hard. He managed his life with integrity and character. And he was a man who was faithful to God and to his family. As a result of this, he got to leave behind a priceless legacy of faithfulness. So here's my challenge to the rest of us, if you would, stand across the building this morning. And by the most of us, I'm even talking to myself this morning. What are you doing today to determine what you would leave when it's all said and done? What are you leaving for your children's children, for your niece, your nephews, for those eyes that are watching you right now? And I want you to listen to this statement that I read. Your legacy isn't built at your deathbed. It's only revealed there. Your legacy isn't built at your deathbed. It's only revealed there. This morning, maybe you say, you know what? I've not lived a legacy. I'm not, I'm not writing a legacy that I'm proud of. Listen, you can change it today. You can change it. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I, I've, I'm, not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be with Christ. You can change that today. You can live a legacy where they can say, I want to be just like you because I want to be just like you.